Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with who's my co-host, Robert. Hello. And we are back. Uh, we're still muddling through all the updates and changes from our new software. Uh, <laughs> it's actually the old software. They went through an update, and we're still trying to figure it out. Last week's show was, was fun to edit. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, a whole bunch of backflips, flaming hoops, lions, tigers, bears. Oh my, yeah, Eric had a bunch of fun with that. It was fun. But uh, actually, there's actually some new features in there that actually made it a little bit easier. But um, so I hope we sound okay. And let us know in, uh, of course, in the comments or on our Facebook page how we how this is coming across. In the meantime, we've got a very busy show today. We've got, you know, it's kind of like Caro's uh, Fate Weaver. For those of you not familiar with the Zeech character, he is a uh, Lord of Change with two heads, one head in the future, one head in the past. And pretty much all the events we're going to be talking about this week have a lot of history to shake off and then also have a lot of portents to the future that describe what's going on. So we'll be talking about Nova Open coming back for the first time in three years. Uh, COVID hit them particularly strong, so they are back. And uh, the question is, what will it look like as this will be the first Nova Open without Mike Brandt? Uh, as he resumes his role is, uh, at Games Workshop, he will not be at the helm of the tournament. Uh, likewise, the new Demon Codex dropped and uh, giving us not only a cool new army to play with, with updated rules, but perhaps a look into what 10th edition codices will look like in the future. And also we have a preview at Nova, there'll be so by the time you're hearing this, it'll probably either be right around the corner or just happen. I'm gonna try and get this out as fast as I can, uh, edit wise. But uh, we're recording this on Monday in 48 hours from now. Uh, Nova Open will be having another GW preview session, and so we're gonna be talking a little bit about what are they going to preview because there's literally no roadmap. Uh, at all for 40k at this point, and uh, at least not an official one. And if you're an idiot like me who clicks on every headline on Spiky Bits, you have all kinds of crazy ideas what could happen. And of course, there was some tournament action over the weekend. Yep. So just looking at the website for pre-orders for GW, it is still labeling the Chaos Book as a pre-order. So yes, it'll be dropping this Friday, this Friday or Saturday. And the the Combat Patrol is a little underwhelming. It's only Corn Demons, but... I mean, corn demons are corn demons. If you've been playing demons long enough, how many times can I say demons in five minutes, Mark, uh, Eric? Uh, I think the over-under is going to be 23. Yes, probably. But if you've been playing demons for long enough, you probably have a bundle of them already. So you can just kind of pick and pull what you want. So, But touching on demons, there was an oops-a-daisies that I talked about last week when I read over the zinch one. I misread the explanation of the splitting the splitting blue horrors thing. I thought it was going to cost reinforcement points, so that way you didn't get to see the nigh-infinite splitting pink horror unit. You, It is free, but now there's a dice roll involved from what everyone else has been saying. So it's not a, oh, we get it for free, there's a chance for your thing to not split in half into more things. So I'm correcting myself from last week because... I may know how to read, but I am orc. I only know how to read okay. Which sometimes is good enough. And if you have any questions, just throw it on the uh, 
competitive 40k Facebook page and then argue. So that's. Mm-hmm. But I do this, but I do that. Guys, it says the same thing. You're saying the same thing. No, yes. we're not. Yes, you are. Anyway, so jumping on to the last of the demon trains here, as I did say almost immediately after reading the Zinch article, we were going to see Slanesh right around the corner. And whopping 10 inch move demonets was right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, 10 inch demonets, 16 inch seekers. Um, now, interesting, we did find out later, as after the codex dropped and some of the reviewers uh, have talked about, they did lose advance and charge. So that is a bit of a, a change in how they play. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that there will pr- there will be a power that a Keeper of Secrets or another Sunnish character can have to give them, to give one unit that bonus, so it wasn't just an entire army thing of, we run up and touch you. Yeah, there's quite a few little th- things in there that where they've changed it. For example, they used to have pretty much the old school rending. You know, sixes to wounds does like mass amounts of AP. It, they got rid of that, but it's now they upgraded the overall AP of the most of the Sneshi stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of neat. Um, and it kind of opened the door for, okay, what's coming out the pike? So, yep. Which actually led us to the article that they dropped on the 26th, which was actually talking about the ally, like how you bring demons into non-demon armies. So it's similar to traveling players where it's 25% of your force and no more than that can be demons. Well, actually, that is a big change. Mm -hmm. So depending on how old you are. If you're a big fan of Warhammer Fantasy, this is nothing new. This is how they used to always do things. No more than your allies could never be more than 25% of your army. They also had like different slots in your army. They could, you know, depending on where the units fell, it could never be more this percentage. Um, the traveling players, yeah, you take a patrol, but as a, a few of our Eldari uh, friends have t- explained to us, yeah, true. Their traveling players can add up to 1,200 points easy. And whereas now they're saying not only is it a, you can change any attachment you want, but better be less than 20, it's 25% of your power level, which is even stranger. Yeah, which when you do the math for that, okay, what if you, like, are we now going to start doing power level army? Like, because if that happens, then. There's literally no reason to pick and choose what weapon options you have because you can just have all of them. Yeah, I don't know. And um, as I'm trying to sift through some of the other news that came up from it, is this again, it's just one that we talk about hint to the future. Now, we already use power level for strategic reserves, so maybe it's not the end of the world. I think we'll still have points mm-hmm. in our armies, but there's some other changes we'll get to in this codex that lean very heavily into Age of Sigmar style building of armies so i was kind of like oh that's a big change and you actually alluded to it earlier robert everybody has a pile of these models lying around hmm why is that and then will you still need them in the future we'll get to that pretty soon but before i forget though uh if they also specified later it's i don't think it's in this article but it is shown up in a few of the codex reviews if you take uh corn units in a world of Eater's army or Nurgle units into a Death Guard army or Zeech units into a Thousand Sons or Slanesh into an Emperor's Children, um, it will not turn off your army-wide abilities for those respective armies. Yeah, so, that, that one was, in fact, put into the article that they talked was, about it. Okay, my mistake. Yeah, but that is definitely a 
a harken back to the people that wanted corn demon want corn demon kin to be a thing again and then zinch demon kin nurgle demon kin slanesh demon kin people can finally do those narrative armies without having to wait for a book to come out you just have to carry around an extra one this is sounding a lot like the end of eighth edition where we all had to carry around like four different books a little bit um it's not as bad that i don't have to carry around the psychic awakenings book on top of all that which i don't know that's all this is right around the time it in eighth edition when psychic awakenings was announced so i'm like oh please don't don't do that again so if they're going to announce any new books for us it better be something like the chaos space marine second release or whatever and they make the caveat of this is your final book there are no more changes (laughs) yeah well we'll see (laughs) we will see but otherwise yeah no demons are going to be a very interesting army because of the fact that the unmodifiable saves are always a fun interaction we may see horde nurgle where it's just incredibly hard to chew through we might see horde zinch where you just need buckets and buckets of dice to scare them off of an objective or we could see bellicorn friends like there's a whole bunch of stuff that we will probably see coming out of this demons book because of the fact that it is demon they're weird and wacky and we love it yep so let's start with the unmodifiable save so everybody's already up in arms about it oh my gosh you know it's an invul save why didn't they bother when if they hadn't created the rules that allow railguns to ignore invulnerable things we wouldn't need this one of the caveats that people haven't picked up on as much is you can't also affect it in a positive way Mm-hmm. which is a huge change from the old Warpstone, uh, Warp Storm table, excuse me, where if you rolled the lucky, I think it was a 10 on the table, army-wide, everybody got plus one save. Yeah, so it was there... definitely something that the, like, Custodes, for instance, us having a two-up armor and a four-up invulnerable, our invulnerable save can never be changed. Our two-up armor can be outright ignored. <laughs> right. So... Having an army-wide, oh, I have a 3-up, or I have a 5-up, or I have a 4-up, like, that stuff is fine because of the fact that it's always a guaranteed number. It now makes it so that way guns that put out volumes of shots, like LAS gun, like Demolisher Cannons, Gatling Cannons, anything that's like 10 or more shots per gun, is forcing your opponent to take saves on these unmodifiable saves. So you just have to go, blah, 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 I killed that many. Right. And we were already in the meta. We were kind of talking about this pre-show where transhuman still existing in all the Leviathan units. There's still a lot of similar uh, mechanics in a few other popular armies. There's even now a transhuman against shooting. Volume of fire is more important than ever than a strength 16 gun that has one shot. (laughs) Which, in reference to the game I had this afternoon against Tyranids, which... I will touch on that salt momentarily in an objective manner. A unmodifiable, having an invulnerable save is never an issue because having a 4-up or a 5-up invuln is perfectly reasonable because a 4-up is a 50-50 shot. A 5-up is a 30-60 shot. Like, it's never perfect. But when you add that on top of, oh, 
my I have this one gun that only has two shots, but it can wound your entire army on twos and make you not have a save. Well, it now only wounds you on fours and you have a four up invuln against it. Having something like that in my army is completely pointless because I can't crack a vehicle with it. I can't crack a big bug unless you fail the coin flip. Well, it's funny you mentioned you can't crack a vehicle with it. You can, you can still almost one shot a dreadnought. You can still take out rhinos pretty quick, but then you go up against, like you said, any big bug. And you're like, oh, well, this harpy is going to be a real pain in the butt to take down. <laughs> yeah, I I would know. Because um, my opponent, Matt Bob, still had both harpies at the end of his game. Yeah. So it's having an unmodifiable save is not a bad thing. It's just how it's applied. So if you look at pink horrors. Because Zinch has a three of invuln to shooting. Okay, whoop-de-doo. He's a bookworm. You walk him and punch him in the face and you take his lunch bunny. <laughs> right. Because he only has a six up. In close combat. So it's very interesting, you know, how all that works together. And will we see that in other armies uh, moving forward? I, I'd be really curious how that all changes. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm just excited to see demons come out. And then after that, we only have three books left. And that's... World Eaters, Votan, and Guard. So yeah. maybe Guard and Votan will be the actual hey, this is what 10th edition looks like. Have fun. Well, let's not still keep unpacking demons because I think there's quite a few more hints here. Uh, the other thing everyone's really up in arms about is uh, malefic weapons. So it's a new type of weapon, just like um, we saw like Daka is a new weapon for our orcs. Mm-hmm. And what makes this one interesting is it's... Um, Again, unmodifiable. And I think the idea was this, usually where you see the malefic weapons is, for example, on a blood crusher, the demon riding it, it gets his normal attacks, but his steed gets the malefic weapons. The idea that if you're buffing the demons, the steeds just kind of do their own thing. They're not um, getting buffed. But at the same point, they're also never reduced. So even disgusting resilience from a death from death guard models is ignored. And uh, so it's, and there's actually some debate now that uh, Armor of Content does not, uh, it's not, does not affect malefic weapons. Yeah. And I know I saw some of our other teammates talking about that, how it's mental gymnastics is his ability or is it a rule? <laughs> and that's where my, my issue lies with Armor of Contempt because it came out of a, essentially a rules document so as if unless the actual wording of armor of contempt says a model with this ability blah then at that point the malefic weapon shouldn't ignore armor of contempt but at the same time it would be nice if they just got again bias if they got rid of armor of contempt altogether (laughs) yeah because it's so much of a headache the other thing that's odd about it, unlike, let's say, if you have a special character as uh, two close combat weapons and you've got like five attacks, right? So can you split those up? Do you mix and match? For example, I'm trying to think of some. Oh, on a grot- um, grotesque has uh, the monster's cleaver and the flesh gauntlet. Now, normally you wouldn't choose, but you just choose one or the other, depending on your target. But for instance, it says you get one extra attack with the cleaver. So they have base four attacks, so I could do four swings with the Flesh Gauntlet, one attack with the um, uh, Monstrous Cleaver, or I could just do five attacks with the Monstrous Cleaver, or something else in between. With Malefic Weapons, you do not get the choice. So for example, the, um, if you've got five attacks again, and it says Malefic 3, I would have five attacks with 
whatever my base weapon is, and then I have three attacks with malefic with the malefic weapon, no more, no less. So it's kind of the same thing as they've been doing, where like going back to orcs, the beast boss on Squigasaur, you can kit the rider to get up to like six or seven attacks on his own, but then when you go to the squig, unless altered by a specific ability or power, the squig only makes three or four attacks depending on which beast boss on Squigasaur that you're playing. And exactly. you can never make more. Right. So and then and likewise it would say if I have some sort of warlord trait or something like that, the Squigasaur or the um he's never gonna get plus one or benefit from the stratagem of a reroll or anything like that. It's only the rider. So Yeah it, more often than not the buffs for orcs was just a general application. So it would apply the rerolls and stuff to the squig. Oh, it does. It, okay. Whoops. Yeah, because it just says model. It doesn't say blah 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 blah. It's the orc character or orc core model gets a reroll of one if you're in range of Gat's goal. So, so one of my favorite parts about demons was I like fast armies. I like armies that do tricksy things with um, deployment and movement, and Back in 5th edition, they had these crazy rules the way they deployed. Matter of fact, they didn't deploy. You split your army in half, and you said, this is my preferred wave. On a 3+, you deep-struck that entire wave in. On a 1 or 2, you struck, deep-struck the other half of your army. Then they brought in summoning, which was fun for a while, and then got really complicated because you had to keep track of how many points you set aside. So... You had to like build your army, but then again, as you alluded earlier, Robert, why did you bring five thousand points of demons? Because I can choose which I which I <laughs> what I'm summoning mid game. So in this game, if I need lots of demonettes with speed, I bring those in. Mm-hmm. For this game, I may need screamers of each, or I may need plague demons to to hold objectives. And so you had to bring like everything with you. Yeah, you get the one big spicy roll where your character rolls like a fifteen on three dice and go, I'm gonna summon a bloodthirster. Yep. You could do it. And then the bloodthirster kills him on the way out and goes, Screw you. Right. Exactly. So So yeah. Not the case anymore, but I do like the new rules. And this is starting to tingle by wow, I've been playing the same faction for Eight years now? Maybe it's time to switch again? <laughs> I mean, you could always be like me and Ray, Eric, where you just have army ADD and you learn to stop at some Anyway, let's read about this. So, <laughs> demonic manifestation. So, basically, first of all, right off the bat, every every unit in this codex can deep strike as per the regular rules. So, anywhere on the table, nine inches away from your opponent. And they get it for free. No stratagems, no command points, no nothing. I mean, let that sink in for a little bit. Now, certain models, mm-hmm. and usually it's usually your bigger command models, have what's called a warp locus type thing, which means, and this is very similar to, they had something like this, oh, what the heck was it called? Because I actually have it. It's like a, I bought it from like a, a 3D, not a 3D printer guy, like a laser cut uh, terrain guy, where um, if you land within six inches of this unit, you can deep strike your units within six inches of this. But the nice thing is you, as long as you're six inches away from your opponent instead of nine inches. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, like your aforementioned bloodthirster comes lumbering up the field and all of a sudden all his cronies start dropping in next to him. Uh, 
don't need to be a mathematician to know that a six inch or seven inch charge is a hell of a lot easier than a nine inch charge. Yeah. So the the fact that they change they changed the loca the loci to something different because the, the little stint that I had when I was reading the the corn demon stuff, I was really trying to figure out a way that I could optimize a a really heavy close combat army with abusing the loci of strength or whatever so i could get mm-hmm. my, my blood letters up to like strength seven or something and it was garbage like it i never there's a reason why i never built the army because there was no fact there was no actual way for me to go hmm yeah i think this army is viable oh we're in a leaf blower game right now well i lose my army bye-bye <laughs> I was the same way. I was trying to do the uh, brass stampede with all as many blood crushers as I could. And with the loci and something else, I remember I could get, I can't remember, it was the blades on, yeah, I think it was the blades on the juggernauts themselves could get up to strength eight on the charge. Assuming I don't get shot off the table on the way there. Yeah. So the, and I'm not, I don't remember what the locais were for Zinch, Slanesh, and Nurgle, but obviously they were in theme. Mm Mm-hmm. So the fact that they go the the loci is now a teleport homer for your for your little griblies means that oh if you do put stuff into the warp well back home because they're waking up and having their coffee if you do put them there and you start on the table with your bloodthirster and your keeper of secrets your Lord of Change, which will probably be Kairos, let's be honest, and maybe a great unclean one if you're going for a full theme. Okay. You throw your Keeper of Secrets forward. It doesn't die. You now move it forward, and booga booga booga. There's 20 demonets, and your bloodthirster does this thing with 30 bloodletters. Like it's it's, it's a crazy. really a really scary thing. Yeah, but it's also high risk, high reward because well, I blew up your bloodthirster. You now have to make the hard nine to come in. So if this hasn't already wet your appetite. There's more. Uh, if you wanted to deep strike in no man's land, so between you and your opponent's um, deployment zones, do you need to be nine inches away? No, you only have to be uh, as many inches away equal to your opponent's leadership. So most things in the game are leadership eight, and there are ways to debuff your leadership. <laughs> wow. That is the... I, I have to laugh because when you think about the two armies that I own, there's Necrons and Custodes. So if you want to land in No Man's Land against a Necron unit, you have to be outside of 10. If you want to land against Custodes, you have to be outside of 11. <laughs> right. The example I'm, I'm reading here, this is courtesy of Goonhammer, by the way. Uh, Termagants, their leadership five. Oh. So if, if you're putting oh, a... <laughs> you know, so you can do something like that. But wait, there's even more. You ready for this one, Robert? <laughs> Make me laugh again, Eric. Do it. <laughs> if you... All right, so you go. The heck with this. I know what the Eric's up to. I'm going to sling all my Deptus Custodes bikes into his deployment zone so he's trapped. That's fine. Go ahead and do that because I can deploy within three inches as long as I land in my deployment zone. I mean, that's fair because that's where the warp storm is and they can just... Booga, 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 booga. Yeah. That makes him an incredibly awesome counterattack. Because that's the one thing I hated about playing demons was it it was all about 
get in your face as fast as you can and hope you survive the trip there mm-hmm. and or hope you meet the right like you mentioned the you know 30 blood letters in you know, the the banner so they got the extra 3d6 and you threw on a, a musician so they get plus one to the charge and that's all it was I mean that was and I remember you just gotta get braced for the big turn and after that you know the blood letters were kind of you know hit like a wet noodle now you're like dude Come on in, come real close, and now I knock you off, mm-hmm. and now I creep forward and start taking primary again. That's pretty cool. Yeah, or like how you would see, because I know when Jim Vessel did his really funky chaos lift, where he brought, I think it was something like 40 or like anywhere from 40 to 60 plague bearers, mm-hmm. and drew a whole bunch of pretty pictures with them. You couldn't go anywhere on that table. No. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was 60 Plague Bearers, and then he dropped 20 to bring a maximum unit of Pink Horrors plus one blue to do the super janky, kill them all in Overwatch, spawn a blue, instead of having a 9-inch charge, you now have a 7, because you spawn the blue ahead. The other thing he did, and also I saw when I played Matt Marasola, he did the same thing, is he would have like a Z sorcerer, like a demon prince or something to that effect, basically some sort of mortal wound battery. And if you had the shooting, because he was still he was still a large enough character, you could shoot it, but it was behind a wall of plague bears. So there's or pox walkers, depending on your flavor. And the idea was, okay, I have to get close to kill this thing, but if I get too close, I'm in smite range, and I still have to get through the blood the uh, the wall of flesh to get there. Now he doesn't even have to put them on the table. You decide, oh, I'm, I have a hole in his fence and I'm going to break through his poxwalker wall. That's okay. I draw a deep strike it now. <laughs> yeah. No, at that point, that would be very reminiscent of when I played um, our teammate, Aaron Wiseman, when he was piloting the list. He crashed two of my Necron planes without firing a single shot because of the fact that they couldn't. Yeah. And one of them, he chopped down with the corn demon prince with the crazy high power act. And I think I took down that demon prince with some other shooting or something. But the game was over at that point. He literally drew a diamond across the table. And no matter where I went, I was always landing on plague bearers. I couldn't. So the fact that these things can go, aha, you were trying to get behind me lines. Well, I was behind you the entire time. I was just stuck in traffic. Yeah. Or in no man's land, like um, landing in against orcs. Okay, you better have that knob in the squad, otherwise they're going to be just outside of six of you. And like you pointed out with Tyrion, oh, oh god, oh god, poor, poor Gretchen. They're only leadership four. <laughs> yeah, there's another one. Ah, <laughs> that's funny though. You mentioned the warp storm just real quick. Um, it's good. It's not as crazy as it used to be uh and we did find out you cannot save points from uh turn the turn uh, unless there's one relic i think that allows you to do it i can't remember if it's a relic or a warlord it's trait a, or something. i know it's a zinch okay the key one though that you need to remember is um it's for five five points so basically your roll was it eight dice i think it's eight dice Everyone that comes up four, a four or higher is that's how many points you get that turn. Dark Invinegration is the one you need to be careful of. Uh, you play this in the morale phase, and you can start healing uh, demon units up to either D3 wounds, or if they're one wound models, you get D3 uh, models back. Considering that is army-wide, that's frightening. Yeah, um, because the... <laughs> so th- that would never apply 
to um, Beast of Nurgle because they completely heal at the end of whatever phase they took damage. But <clears throat> that unit of pink quarters that I had mentioned earlier, a three-up invuln, if you don't throw enough dice into that thing, that is literally going to be an unending tide of pink quarters that you're never going to be able to chew off the table. Yeah, there's a lot more to discuss here, and um, we're in by no means your your ultimate source for Codex breakdown. So, for in lieu of uh, time for our show, I'm going to skip over quite a few other things. But a couple of things that I thought were rather interesting from a standpoint of Codex design is that all the de- lesser demon builds in the past they were huge hordes. We, we we alluded to the, the thirty man bloodletter. Uh, bricks that that was used to be a thing right and then of course you you always took a banner because you needed to get that so you can then upgrade the banner so you may have a 3d6 charge and then you took the instrument you always took that because that gives you uh, the plus one the charge what they've done now is all lesser demon units are 10 models no more no less and you get the banner and the instrument included for free Oh, so they pulled the same thing that they did to Tau Fire Warriors, where it's always a set number and you can never have any more or less than that. Right. Oh. Interesting, right? Yeah, that's neat. That just means, oh, hey, guess what other army can bring a brigade besides Imperial Guard? (laughs) Well, the other, and you may need, that's a, oh, you know, I didn't even think of that, Robert. That's a well-stated there. Yeah. Because now you're, instead of bringing large blocks, you're bringing lots and lots of 10-man units. What other game system, Games Workshop, have where you only buy units in clumps of fives and tens? Um, That would be potentially Kill Team. That would potentially be the Horus Heresy. That could even potentially be Warcry. Yeah, it's also leaning towards Age of Sigmar. You know, they mm-hmm. you buy a unit and then you can reinforce a unit. So if it's a 10, 10 man unit, you can reinforce that unit to twenty, but never more. And then I think like the elite units, I think are fives. And then you well, if I'm remembering how that works right, it's battle line and non battle line. So yes. battle yep. line you can reinforce twice, and non battle line you can only reinforce once. So like for instance my ogre gluttons for my which are normal battle line they start out as a unit of six you reinforce them once it's 12 you reinforce them again that's 18 so yeah that's 18 times four wounds just walking across the table as you have fun punching it but um yeah no that actually makes a lot of sense and now instead of having to buy oh i need a seven man unit of sanguinary guard or i need a 11 man unit of harlequin troop it's all right here's your unit of five or your unit of ten you can either double it or not right and uh, there's always been a lot of brushback you know for that uh you know finite tuning of your army or like you know what i really wish i could do ten but i can only fit nine models to get everything in there so i'll do a nine person unit or other reasons i can tell you for example um there's a couple times where speaking to competitive players, the sweet spot for this unit is at six or at eight, because the way war gear kind of shakes out one for three, one for or one for every two uh, or type thing. But this, you know, your war gear is free, and but you're going to take in blocks of ten. Yeah, which when we were talking about the demon, the demon articles a little bit. And, and like the malefic weapons and stuff. Um, if we end up just going to a power level system and we use one one point like one uh, point system for every game mode, then that would 
absolutely make it easier for people to play because then, okay, we're going to go to a 100 power level tournament and there's a handicap of like maybe 10 power level for some of those odd like, oh, my custodes are 103 power level or whatever, like that kind of hemming and hawing that you accidentally cross the line because one unit's just a... So I can already hear people reading, listening to this and going, hell no, no way. I like my finite. Or they'll even go more sensible and go, that's what killed War Machine because you'd run into... They, there wasn't enough graduation between different units, which was true. Like every heavy war jack was within four or five points of each other, but they were all around 50 points. So it was like, uh, if I swap this out for that, I'm really not changing my army. Here, I'll put a counter-argument to that. Go back to the, your good old trusty Space Marines. I have a Devastator squad. In the in the power level system, I could switch out the guns from LAS cannons to heavy bolters to Melta to whatever, match to match, because it's the same power level. Imagine that flexibility. <laughs> yeah, that would that would honestly make it a little gamey, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, because, yeah, because, okay, you have a Devastator squad, and I, that's also the other issue. If you're, if the stipulation that your army is what you see is what you get at a tournament, then you're going to have to bring like an extra 50% of your army if you're going to do that swapping out thing, if that actually becomes a thing. Because then you go, oh, I need a unit of 10 last cannons. Where are my 10 last cannon devastators? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. No, it is very gamey, very cumbersome. There was also back in 6th edition, we had sideboards. So you could, you had base, or you play with multiple lists. You had two lists. You had to play each list at least once in the tournament. Um, those are other ways to get around all this. It was cumbersome at best, so I'll be very curious to see what's going on there. Yeah, but I'm I'm very curious because also we haven't seen any explanation of how the leagues of Votan will potentially also build out their units because they've explained that the they have different weapon options, but not that it changes how the unit behaves. So it's it's definitely going to be a thing of are we potentially going to see tenth edition do the the great cleansing as like how eighth edition did to seventh edition where it went all right we went from this to that and now we're going to this instead of this hey everyone eric from the exterminatus podcast to tell you about the smite club open that's right coming up this september 10th and 11th at the Bellbank park Fieldhouse in mesa arizona 128 players we got six rounds a ton of venues all around the particular area to buy your tickets you can get them at smiteclub40k.com backslash store that's smiteclub40k.com backslash store tickets right now are sixty dollars but if you wait uh, beyond august 10th they do go back up to seventy dollars so get your tickets now. If you've been to our Scorched Earth Open, expect even more from this particular event. Once again, Smite Club Open, September 10th and 11th. I hope to see you there. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR Cases. If you're like me 
and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your uh, armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus Podcast. Well, let's transition to that. As we mentioned, uh, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, um, <laughs> we got it out in time. So the GW preview, the first big one we've had in six months, eight months, I don't think there was one at Adepticon, um, this will be at Nova Wednesday night, uh, 5 p.m. here in the West Coast area and, and um, 8 o'clock on the Eastern Coast, East Coast there. Will we finally see a full release or a full announcement of League of OTAN? Is that one of the things we'll see? If not Leagues of OTAN, then we will probably see the first hinting of Imperial Guard. So one thing I, I would agree with that as well, and uh, because there's been a few mentions of them here and there. Like I mentioned before, I click on anything that says 10th edition, whether it is Warhammer or like a new book, whatever. But anyway, it's interesting. Most of the 10th edition rumors I've been hearing about have nothing to do with the 10th edition rules. What they're talking about is they have apparently a stockpile of models that they're trying to get out before the 10th edition release date of next summer because they should have been out based on their original marketing plan because of the COVID shutdowns and supply chain issues. We're, we're about six, seven months behind schedule. Do we expect a product dump in first quarter of 2023 or are they just going to repackage them and make this the new 10th edition starter set to be honest i wouldn't be surprised if they made it into a like a repackaging because then you would have all of these new models that were going to be released and they're all ready for the new book which probably means that they're not going to rewrite whatever rules they had for them for the 10th edition book but i just really really hope that they don't do this kind of piecemeal like, oh, hey, here's a new release three months down the road. Oh, here's the other unit that you've been waiting on for forever after you got FEQ'd and the unit's no longer. Right. Yeah, I definitely don't want what they happened to, like, the Necrons, uh, where here's your codex. And, like, this is super confusing. Oh, don't worry about it. When the new edition comes, it'll make sense. That's, like, mm-hmm. five months from now. You know, come on. Yeah. Now, the bulk of the rumors, if you believe them to be true, is basically the other half of the Primaris um, models are supposed to be coming out. So we'll see what happens. I, I, it sounds very wish listy. So I'm not yeah. sure how true it is. But on the other hand, I can't see these of OTAN, Imperial Guard holding us, hold, <laughs> holding our interest until July of 2023. Yeah. The only thing that would make it interesting is if they go, here's Leagues of Votan and Imperial Guard, and their books are written differently, and but all the rules are still applicable to 9th edition. And then they go, yeah, here's the starter set for 10th edition, and it's Votan and Guard, instead of releasing it all at once. Right. So, I don't know. You know, I'm really, I'm really curious to see what they, how much they tell us to 
Do they give us a roadmap? Um, you know they got to come out with something in the fourth quarter to drive Christmas sales. What does that look like? So Yeah. Um, also, you would imagine that there's going to be the battle boxes and stuff later that they always do for Christmas. Oh, so we will get to so we'll get to see what those get to be. They probably won't be anything like super new, like Leagues of Otan or anything. But they could very well. I mean, one of them is going to be Space Marines. Let's be honest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I bet you'll be Space Marines, Chaos Space Marines, maybe a Tau kit, um, and then it's usually four. Uh, I'll just take a stab in the dark and say uh, Tyranids some product and the reason why i say that is supposedly there are for the start of 10th edition it's supposed to it's going to be tyranids versus blood angels in a box set which part of me just goes like did we do that already but um in fact we did yeah but supposedly there's a whole bunch of new monsters and uh coming out for tyranids like okay as long as they get rid of the transhuman abilities from leviathan (laughs) i will play whatever yeah I'll be curious. Anyway, back to more about Nova. So big, big news with Nova. First of all, it's the first Nova in what seems like forever. But yeah, they've, they got hit pretty hard with COVID. Uh, first Nova without Mike Brandt at the helm. So really curious to see what does it look like? You know, what? how does it play? And I mean, do I expect it to be radically different? Probably not. They still have Phil, uh, I can never pronounce his last name. It's very long in Greek, but it starts with R. He's a super nice guy. He's still running the 40K uh, championship. You still have the Capital Palette, the huge painting um, competition. You have the auction to serve charities, all big parts of it. They've but they've doubled the size. They actually not only took, they had always had taken over the entire hotel. And now they're actually taking over a hotel across the street because the event has gotten so big. That's different because I know there was one little thing that happened, which I didn't get a lot of clarification on was they put some kind of thing in place and it made one of the players really angry or something. So yes, uh, what they did is they came back and, and there is a mass bandaid. You do need to wear a mask when you attend the event. Unfortunately, this mask mandate came out after the refund date, and that pissed off a few people, and it's gaining momentum. And one of the people who is particularly angry about this is actually having a competing event the same weekend, um, less than an hour away, for those who feel that this mandate is wrong. How much will that affect the overall picture? I'd be curious to see. Uh, I have a tough. T- I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what is. You know, different areas have been hit by COVID differently. So, mm-hmm. how big a deal is the mask mandate in the DC area? I'm not really sure. And honestly, one of the things that, although Nova, the 40k championship, and the Invitational, as well as their trios team tournament, are some of the bigger probably the biggest event on the East coast. What makes Nova super special is they diversified it to so many other games. I have a tough time believing they're really going to notice the the hit. Yeah. I haven't paid since I've never been to Nova. I don't know the regular player populace that goes there, but it does seem like it's just a, because of the fact that we've, we've gone to enough events now that people should understand that a mask band is 
the operator choice. So it's, oh, hey, we want you to do this because of X reason, blah, 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 blah. It's not like a, oh, we're doing it just to spite you. It's a, we're doing it because we want to be safe and we're trying to shove a hundred plus people into a tiny room. Like, <laughs> right. Which is not an exaggeration. That was one of the things that the 40k champs, man, it is packed. And probably that's probably, yes, I've always been a Nova fanboy. It was my first super major I ever went to. And what blew me away about it, it wasn't so much, it's not just a big tournament, because the original B- BAO was that. And I had a miserable time there. Uh, it's gotten much better over time. And um, I think uh, the guys from Frontline Gaming have learned a lot from that particular event. But uh, so you walk out of the 40K room and you walk into this other, another room and you've got this event and they got this game. Like the last time I went to Nova, for example, I, I walked by the X-Wing tables and I kind of looked at it weird and like, I've never seen X-Wings with those colors before. What it was, was it was a preview of The Force Awakens four months before the movie came out. Here's Poe Dameron. Here is his stats. Here is his squadron. Learn how. Here's what to expect from the new Star Wars movie for X-wing. I don't even play X-wing, and I was like, okay, that's cool. I wanna, I want in on this. Um, other games, uh, middle the Middle Earth game. Whoever does their terrain is insane. They're like, they look like sets from the movie in miniature. They're awesome. You don't want to play. You want to. You, your hobby is your thing. They have four days of round-the-clock seminars from some of the talented people in the world and an idiot like me, because I did seminars for them. <laughs> but realistically, I actually, when I went there my first first two years, I actually didn't play in the 40K event because I was doing so many seminars. But I think I did six classes in three days, and I played in the Affinity tur- Tournament. So that was fun. And that was a big event for affinity. So like every game system, it is a, you circle your calendar, be at Nova, no matter what game you play, because it is going to be a big event there. So it's going to be interesting to see after a three-year absence, new leadership, can they bounce back? There's a lot more competition out there for tournament dollars. Is it still the same experience? Is it going to be the same or are people just going to be like ho hum? Probably the biggest thing I'd be interesting to see as well. They had like a, a lounge area, so after, best part of every tournament is what hanging out with your friends for dinner, right? They actually took over a large suite on the top floor of the hotel, and they had live entertainment. Mostly it was Mike Brandt's band, and he played live, kind of like a acoustic guitar set. It's like a kind of figure like uh, Mumford and Sons giving a free concert for four nights straight. It was a cool place just to hang out and veg. Are we going to see stuff like that again? Because that is just part of Mike's personality, that he's accessible in being part of the... He wants to be there because he's here to see his friend, not just run a tournament. I don't know. You know, those are the things I'll be curious to see if that continues. Honestly, I think that would be a little much for for something like that. But, I mean, obviously it's that event it's something that has been there for god knows how long and it, it may stick it may not so but anyway uh by hopes that by the time you're hearing this you may or may not be seeing the previews so we'll keep you curious to see what uh, games workshop has to say and long story short next week we will cover all the results of nova but in the meantime we do have some events to talk about for this past weekend yes yes we do so we will actually start here at home with 
there is only war because they put it in all capitals. So you have to read it in all capitals. Indeed. It was held it was held by a local shop called Gamers Guild here in Arizona. And they had a pretty decent turnout of thirty-two people. And it looks like only one person no two people, three people. I can learn to count. Three people ended up dropping out of the so it was thir- initially 32, so finished with 29 people. And the top five is something like this. We have Robert Lawler. He is not me with Tyranids. We have Jacob Wagner with Necrons. We have Jonathan Sayo with Battle Scissors. We have Justin Aguilar with Goffs. And the man, the myth, the legend, the big bug on the corner himself, Tyler Hepler, which from hearing our teammates, um, Jacob and Justin, talk about it it sounded like he took something different he strayed away from high fleet leviathan the darn transhuman bugs of immortality to something a little faster it starts with a k and ends with akin <laughs> so it is a big change for him because not only did he he with leviathan he also like never like crossed the halfway line he's kind of sat there went Come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think someone went, okay, we're going to take out the caution brain and we're going to put in the aggressive brain. And they hit the big red button and it went fast. So, but it's a unit of Zonethropes, a Neurothrope, Flying Hive Tyrant, some Gargoyles, two minimum units of Warriors, and then one, two, three units of Pyrovores. So a total of four models, but three units, just like the mech gun issue. Two, two units of Zonethropes. So yes. Oh yeah. So now he's walking around with um, nine zonethropes. It's a lot of spite. Yeah, my brain hurts a lot. <laughs> he has the parasite, two units, four raveners, and two exocrine. So he gave up the transhuman for just sheer aggression. Well, there it goes. Obviously, worked quite well. <laughs> yeah. So it is good to see that the competitive scene here in the little southwestern corner of the world is going strong because of the fact that we had this GT happen over the weekend and then on the same weekend, just a hop, skip, and the jump in the city themselves, we went to the Power 9 Games friendly local GT as it's called, where we had initially 35 in, in attendance and then it looks like about 4 or 5 people decided to fall off because they were tired or something else they're in vegas baby yeah yeah the the neon lights of the strip are very very tantalizing i know i'd be probably stuck playing craps and just going no no i need to go roll dice elsewhere (laughs) bye-bye anyway so the top five we have ben jurek he i'm saying it right now he's gonna win best orc this season i'm putting my money on i'm putting my money on it all right but yes ben jurek with goffs we have clay stubblefield with custodes, we have Junior Aflehi. Yeah, Aflehi. I always worry about pronouncing his last name wrong. <laughs> with Blood Angels, we have Adam Baker with Chaos Knights, and then we have Daniel Olivas. God dang, I said it wrong. All of us, all of us. There we go. Daniel Olivas with Harlequins going undefeated with a solid five and zero, oh, and bringing home a Vegas shaped trophy for Smite Club back home. Yeah. Speaking of Smite Club, uh, two weeks, so not this coming weekend, but two weekends from now, uh, Smite Club open. Tickets are still available. We are cresting right around 70 players right now. So uh, a pretty large event. Great way to pick up some last minute points before the big rush. Uh, Think about it this way. We're entering September. 
So realistically, you've got 60 days to get your ITC points, and there are only six super majors in the entire United States between now and the end of the season. So getting your points, now is the time to do it, and a great place to do it would be at a great tournament. Uh, starting to cool down here in Phoenix, uh, great weather, great venue. Now's the time to do it. Head over to our website. It'd be more than happy to pick up tickets there. Yep. Still make sure to bring plenty of water though, because yeah. we are the desert. Yeah, still a desert. <laughs> plenty of cacti. So we're reading off everybody's lists here. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about this last minute topic and, and, uh, we'll wrap it up for the show, but, um, bit of a tremor in the forest. You may have felt it as if a thousand voices screamed out and then suddenly went i have to learn how to make my list with pen and paper yeah uh the famous battle scribe has um apparently the, the original uh software not the folks that update the codices but the guy who actually wrote the software so you can actually use it for more than one game uh he hasn't done any updates in quite some time and it's been dormant for years and uh well if you leave a door of it for too long Folks like Apple and Google and other places go, this app is dead. We're going to turn it off. And it looked like as though that's what was going to happen to Battlescribe. And then out of the blue, the developer came out and said, no, no, man, it's good. It's just they got an old credit card on on file. I'll I'll fix it later today. (laughs) Yep. That's why I didn't. I saw that and I went, (laughs) if this is true. I'm not doing this like I did for the old dice app that Games Workshop released. I never actually figured out how to. I love <laughs> so. that thing. I'm sorry. I love that dice app. I want it back like yesterday. But yes. So for those of you that weren't privy t- until we have an actual app update for Battlescribe, not the data repository, but the actual app itself, do not delete app because of the fact that if a potential of that this guy is just bluffing and trying to not have the app deleted, if Apple and Google go, nah, man, you still haven't paid us, and yoink it and you deleted it, you won't be able to download it off the store, which means you will have to go to either building your list off of the Games Workshop app, writing it with pen and paper on a napkin, and hopefully your handwriting is legible, or typing it up in a Word document and emailing it to every single TO that you go to. Yeah. Pretty scary stuff. So we'll see what happens as this kind of unfolds. But uh, as of yeah, as of this recording, uh, we're just waiting for an updated credit card from the developer. Oh boy! So, yeah. but otherwise, it's good that it's going to be sticking around because it's probably one of the most used tools for players because it's an ease of access for list creation. It's created a bad habit of not needing to bring your books because it has your rules in the book it has your rules in the unit description so maybe this spooked enough people to go eh, i need to carry around my book <laughs> indeed um hopefully maybe that's one of the announcements we'll see at nova is an update to the, the warhammer app the app for rules is awesome it's the uh, the army builder is a little sketchy i haven't <laughs> yep. i haven't used it recently so i have i should probably be careful with that criticism but uh, it's been a good six months since I've tried to use it. Yeah, I ha- I know I created my initial Chaos Knight for Big Robots, and it was having trouble letting me pick a second Warlord trait with the Arch Tyrant Stratagem and all this other stuff for one of my Big Robots because one of my Knight Abominant, for some reason, it wouldn't let me select it 
as an arch tyrant target. So it was a, well, it says I have an extra CP, but I don't. That was back in Nachman. And now in Nephilim, it's a, I'm not even using that stratagem anymore. I need to start with two command points. Thank you. Yeah, I've had some other oddball things where I had a five point work gear and for some reason added 15 to my points to my total. Uh, was unable to give Drazar a warlord trait. And that was pre-Nephilim. So I'm like, it's, yeah, weird stuff like that. It's strange. But hopefully those get fixed. Yeah. Otherwise, on a personal note, you guys will probably see more uploads of the progress on my Chaos Knights army in the morning. Because my last kit bash for my big knight, ooh, buddy, doing something big and it's doing something scary. I know for a fact Eric hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> I have not seen it, and I'm excited. Cool, because it's going to point a gun at you, and it's going to want your... That's, now it might be time for me to whip out my Tyranid army, just to spite you. <laughs> God dang <laughs> Just borrow it from Ray. You'll, you'll be fine. It is Ray's army. <laughs> that's who I yeah, bought it from. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and also, this is something that I've been cooking up over the last few weeks, and... I think I might have some of the wheels starting to move if I can figure it out. But for the podcast and for the community here in Arizona, I will probably be attempting to join the content creator ocean of making battle reports, making content for obviously 40k. And it will probably be a good time if I can get things up and running. So all of you that are listening, all some number that Eric knows that I don't can probably stay tuned for that and there will most likely information about that put out on the Facebook page or something like that once I actually figure it out. Yeah. So look for that. We'll extend that out and uh, look forward to see what you come up with. And I hope you guys support it. Wave supported us for all these years. I uh, appreciate all you listeners. And it's, it's a lot more than you think. And for some odd reason, uh, we're exploding in countries. I had no idea they even play 40k. So good to hear that. So just saying if someone from australia wants to come play me all right cool if i have a place of my own i'll let you use the guest room that's a long that's a long heckin flight yeah it's a long flight <laughs> but that is our show for this week uh, not a whole big change in the itc top 10 so we're going to skip it for this week and give more updates i'm sure after nova we'll have some of the bigger names making appearances and shake up the standings as well so we will talk to you next week about nova as well as it will be the week before the smite club opens so again tickets still available for that event in the meantime my name's eric i'm robert and thank you for listening to the exterminatus podcast yeah.